The following interview was recorded with Anya Turrell in New Orleans in January of 2020, prior to the pandemic of COVID-19. So any reference to concerts that would have been coming up or performances were made prior to that awareness. You listen to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad and Folk Alliance International is a conference that happens once a year that brings music talent from around the world in the folk genre together and can bring up to as many as a thousand artists along with then maybe 2,000 industry people which would be uh, agents, booking agents, festival musical directors, um, record companies and everyone else, promoters and all that kind of good stuff. And one of the artists that has come from the other side of the world, from Australia, uh, I should say sorry, from County Clare via uh, <laughs> Australia to New Orleans is Anya Terrell and Anya is from a musical family. Sean has been in the music scene for many years and I'm delighted to be sitting here with Anya. Anya, thanks a million for coming along for a chat. Oh, thanks a million. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned, your dad, uh, Sean, musical family, North Clare. Yeah. Um, you must have been playing music from when you were knee high. Yeah, well, I mean, there was always uh, instruments around the house and musicians coming and going all the time. I started on the tin whistle <laughs> right. at Willie Clancy Week and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, we all kind of picked up little bits here and there. Um, yeah, and and uh, Dad always had um, he was a banjo player at yeah. the start, so he had loads of four-string instruments always hanging around the house. Right. So, yeah, so I'd pick them up and try to figure it out. But Dad had kind of never taken lessons or anything. He learnt by ear, and he encouraged all of us to do the same. So it's not like we he really ever sat down and said, "This is how you do it." It was just make some nice noise, whatever way you can. Would you have the luxury of, given the geography of where you're from, it's probably one of the richest counties in Ireland when it yeah. comes to music. And I know there would be an element of competition between North Clare and South Clare. <laughs> but, um, but certainly North Clare is uh, just, it's not just that you were immersed in the home, you were immersed in the area. Yeah, yeah. And so many, you know, Dad had a regular session, which is still going now at Greens in Ballyvaughan. Right. And through that session, so many different people from all over the world would come in and we'd just be sitting there playing under the table or doing whatever and you know listening to incredible singer-songwriters and and traditional musicians and you know so it's seeped in of course yeah so no way about it so then as you grew up did you were you involved in in cultists or did you participate in any pressure no, more like Willie Clancy Week and, and different things like that. Dad wasn't really into all that competition in right. terms of music. Right. Yeah, he, and, um, and so it was more just being around sessions, being around musicians and, and playing that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then um, my mum lived here in America, so we, did, we were back and forth quite, quite a bit as well. But yeah, it was more the festivals and... and um, even when we were here, Dad would be touring in America, and we'd go around to all the Irish festivals with him yeah. here. So we were we were around it all the time. So then, um, as you grew up, and when did you get involved in the music scene yourself? Um, I started doing backing vocals for him on recordings, and then live from about maybe sixteen. Right. Um, and then I went to UCD in Dublin. And um, 
I really wanted to go to UCD and I think I was like a couple points short or something like that and I had to go up to Dublin and I really uh, really wasn't really didn't want to do it yeah but then in the end it was um, it was amazing because the singer-songwriter scene in Dublin was so different to the traditional Irish music scene that I had well and, and of course cause the scene in Galway is so different from the yeah. scene in Dublin as well yeah so I was exposed into you know the frames and Glenn Hansard and yeah. Bundy and, and all of these um, a different version of being an Irish songwriter right. to the more traditional version of it right. and I loved it yeah, yeah. I loved yeah. it but I loved having both worlds you know I'd go back home on a weekend and be immersed back in the traditional music but then my um my weekdays having a lot more influences from, you know, I mean, Dad never listened to anything really but traditional music in the house. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I got exposed to so much more yeah, living in Dublin. So, and um, then you didn't stay in County Clare. You didn't stay in Dublin. You you moved around Ireland, or you? Yeah, settled. I moved around Ireland a few different places, and. Um, <coughs> And then in Dublin in particular, I, I started playing my own music and, right. and, and that. And then, um, yeah, at the time of the recession with the, after the Celtic Tigers. Uh, uh, so, Anya, after Dublin, then you moved a bit around Ireland? Yeah, so I um, uh, played my own music um, quite a bit around Dublin and I lived in... Uh, Cavan and Wexford and Galway and <laughs> all, all around a bit and then um, at the time of the Celtic Tiger and then the crash there just wasn't much work right. and um, now when you said there wasn't much work were you acting as a operating as a, a full-time professional musician at that time no I was doing it part-time so and I, I was teaching I was doing um, TEFL teaching English as a foreign language right and working in primary schools as well okay. and I was studying then again to do my teaching uh, teaching degree okay yeah um, so yeah and uh, we decided at my ex-partner at that stage he, he was out of work a lot um, and he got offered work in Australia okay and at that time in Australia there were it was really we were at that stage where getting visas to go off there was really really easy yeah. it's gotten yeah. a lot more difficult now yeah. but um, yeah so it kind of went for a year was the plan and then I don't know a year turns into eight very quickly <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah so when I went over first I um, I did my teaching degree over there then and I was teaching primary school okay in and where Australia. in Australia did you start um, I started off uh, just outside of Melbourne outside right. an area called Geelong um, and yeah and um, in the last few years I've moved further north to the sunshine okay <laughs> and I, off topic in one sense but have you been affected by any of the fires or have yeah where we are has been um, we've, we've had a fire up there now for quite a while about five kilometres from where we are so right. we were on alert to be evacuated a good few times actually it was I got a message in they're having crazy kind of 40 to two degree weather again yeah, yeah. and when I right before my showcase I got a, a there's an app that everyone in Australia is logged into called fires near me okay and it gives you an alert 
from the fire brigade if something's happening. Right. And I got an alert <laughs> straight away, like right, right there again, saying that we were on alert to be evacuated again. Right. So, um, yeah, so, so we lived. Uh, it's been we haven't had we had some rain there before I came over. It's kind of the first few days that the sky has been clear and you haven't been breathing in smog smog smoke because even when the fire near us would settle down a bit um, which they finally have the one near us quite under control further south now in in New South Wales it's still raging quite bad a logistical question when you get your notice to evacuate where Mm -hmm. are you supposed to go? well they give you evacuation points and so most of them are either it may be a town over okay that might not be near where I'm where I am is um, further into the bush so you have um, a much further risk as the amount of trees around you right but they might evacuate you to a more so there's a town about seven minutes drive that's very coastal okay and there isn't as much bush around okay yeah. so it's a, a plan is in place and you kind of yeah. there is a, a, a strategy that has been cre- uh, created yeah. and you've been communicated. Yeah, yeah, so they held big town meetings and they go and they basically tell you they'd have representatives from the fire service and the police and the right. local yeah, and giving you guidance on what to have and what to bring and, yeah, and where to evacuate to right. and, yeah, so everyone needs to have a fire plan and a safety plan but where I live is rainforest so the, we've never, like no one around there has ever been on yeah. fire watch. We've yeah. had floods and uh, quite the opposite right. there. Right. So that's the first time that rainforest has ever burned where, yeah. where we yeah. are. So um, like a rainforest isn't supposed to burn. No, it's not. No. <laughs> isn't supposed to burn. So, so many people in that area live where we are even further bush to us, you know, like way out into the into the thick of it and they've never had to consider fire plans yeah, you yeah. know before so for our area that was quite a new phenomenon now yeah. when you mentioned that there's a place down the road about seven or eight uh, miles or kilometres mm. are you on kil- kilometres or miles kilometres yeah and um, how big a population in where you're living is it a big spot oh. Uh, no, no, they're small. They're small villages, really. Okay, and the reason I'm asking this is because unlike Ireland, where you have small villages and they're dotted, yeah. you know, if you want to play a gig, you can go from Ballyvaughan down to, oh. to uh, Quilty or somewhere else, yeah, and it's just, and and you know, but because you are not in Ireland and the traditional music is not the same sense, for you to get a gig and go to a gig. Oh. <laughs> I remember when I was home recently that this last trip home with Emily actually is here. We did three gigs within 20 kilometres of each other, and all full houses. Yeah. And I've driven nine hours for shows. Yeah. I remember my cousin back in Ireland. We I was in Drogheda doing some recording, and she was in Connemara. And I was like, oh, I'll pop over today. And she's like, what are you, what are you on about? Yeah. I said, oh, it's only it's four no hours. It's no, big, it's deal. no big deal. And she was like, you've got to be mad. And then as soon as I flew home, I sent her like the map. And I was driving from where I was to Canberra for a yeah. gig. And I was like, I'm driving nine hours. Her gig yeah. to me is like a little yeah. extreme, four hours across. Yeah, I know my niece was come, came out a few years ago and she looked at the map and she said she was going to drive from Calgary to Vancouver <laughs> in, in a weekend. 
but uh, yeah so I, what I said to her was like check the scale on the map but yeah for Australia Canada we know what distance, distance is yeah. and that's why I say you know for you to do a gig mm. a nine hour drive mm. in each direction yeah there's nothing and yeah. then for a gig like that and not wanting to know dollars or cents but like traditionally um, musicians struggle mm. to get reasonably well paid mm. so you do an iron hour gig so that's 18 hours <laughs> plus 2 hours on stage so like you're talking about a, a, a half week's work yeah I, I'm sure the compensation does not no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was for the, I was actually for the Irish consulate and uh, Declan O'Rourke okay. oh yes and it was yeah. actually for that show in particular I was like I'll go because I'll yeah. yeah. it's just a lovely thing to do but yeah no um well when I moved when I moved from Geelong where I was living uh, up north I bought a Bedford bus okay. a 1966 Bedford bus that we live in still so actually moving from the fires wasn't that big of a deal it was just about starting up the engine and bringing our house with us right um but uh yeah so I bought that that bus and so touring in Australia like up until kind of the last two years I've had to do a lot more flying because I just I can't get to the distances yes. I need yeah. to get to but when I first started playing music in Australia I did it just road trips we were on a constant sort of lap of Australia in the right. bus but it was great because you could just sort of plan the next gig for you know another 100 kilometers yes. of the road or 200 or whatever it was in, yeah. so when you say that how um, good is the music scene that you can actually plan a, a tour and know that uh, the gigs that you know you're able to go in and, and that get a receptive audience for your music yeah I mean I, I've built it up sort of over the years you know I've played a lot of terrible shows as well <laughs> <laughs> they haven't all been you know perfect but I think the struggle in Australia, the hard part about touring in Australia is the distance yes. and is the, um, that the cities are so far apart from each other and that people don't necessarily, um, that people won't necessarily drive to see you either, do you know right, what I mean, like right. they want to kind of come to those places but there, there isn't, um, yeah, like once you're outside the city the regional touring you kind of have to go to all the little places but there's huge distances and I, I know there was uh, an Irish group over in Canada and I was chatting with them and they mentioned that when they go to some of these smaller places they get a better reception yeah, because brilliant. whereas they go into the city into Ottawa or Toronto yeah. and they'd be lucky if they get 100 people to yeah, yeah, cities um, are hard anywhere yeah, I yeah. think anywhere in the world yeah. and the regional touring in Australia is what has been my sort of bread and butter okay. the small areas that you keep going back to and people are so appreciative that you've come that distance I mean some of them you know you're going out back hundreds and hundreds of kilometers on dirt roads do you yes. know what I mean yeah. and so when you go out there they're extremely appreciative and that, that you come back so the regional I definitely have preferred that but it is it's hard it's hard to get to it's hard to get out of and it's hard to build that with with the amount of distance yeah and I think every because every See, you know like in Ireland you know Cork and Galway they've all got a different personality and Dublin to that 
um, the music personalities in each city in Australia are so different. Right. You know, like the Brisbane music to the Sydney to Melbourne. Um, and I started off, I suppose, um, around Melbourne, so that's a lot of my friends and musical colleagues would be sort of in the Melbourne music scene. Um, but it's very different in each city, and you kind of like have to get to know <laughs> the people in each city. So coming from the background you came from with traditional mm. Irish music um, in, in an area that is so strong, how do you then translate that to the different nuances that you're confronted with? Mm. Um, I suppose it's always the the basis of what I had with traditional Irish music is always in me and dad one of the first things he said to me you know when I was starting to write songs he says you have a bank of melody there use it you've grown up with it it's there it's in you and and so for me that has been definitely um, uh, an undercurrent in all my writing and music Mm -hmm. but then wherever I am I'm quite affected by the landscape and the the, um. Um, so Anya then given that you're doing your own writing and that uh, you have the basis of melody that was you're immersed in what brings you to Folk Alliance International what's the goal yeah. the ambition here oh, actually partly is to get home more um, right. and uh, being being based in Australia you're very um you're very far away yes. from the worldwide music industry and to come for anything you know when I get offered festivals like people in Canada have been in touch and in the UK in Germany and Ireland in America and you know the, these are folk festivals they don't have huge budgets yeah. to, yeah. to make that worthwhile so um, I suppose coming here is to try to link up uh, a lot of that stuff and be able to be over in the northern hemisphere right. more um, so you know, the ultimate goal is to spend six months of the year in um, Australia during the festivals during the summer season over there and then six months in this side of the world between Europe and America and Canada right, um, right. Doing, doing the festivals and um, that over here because I do I've got three kids and the older they get, um, they were born in Ireland, but the older they get, I, I get quite um, upset that they're not at home, do you know? Yeah. <laughs> and missing out and, and, you know, time with my dad and, and their cousins and um, all of that. So, do you yeah. miss Ireland? A lot. Uh, the last two times I've been back, I had such a hard time getting on the plane, right. going back to Australia. <laughs> yeah, it gets... I don't know, the older you get and the sort of, um, in, you know, as, as older generations of family members start passing away and, and when you're not home for those things, you know, then when you do go home, it hits you real hard, yeah, you yeah. know, and I've, I've found that, um, yeah, the reality of that is, is, is quite hard and, and I am so far away, you know, yeah. I don't know about geographically as far away as you can get. So and getting home isn't an easy thing. Really. And is there much of a community within a reasonable distance of you? In oh, I mean, I've got an Irish community. Um, where I am now, no, but down in Melbourne, yeah. there's an amazing Irish community. I mean, there's 
um, I don't know if you know the Fitzgeralds, Paddy Fitzgerald and Joe Fitzgerald, box players from Clare. Um, and they're kind of like the grandfathers over there and they, okay. they kind of keep the Irish um, traditional community together there and there's great sessions and whenever anyone from Ireland is coming through you know that Melbourne is a great spot for it so I, I try to get back down for some of those things that happen there but where I am there, there isn't really an, an Irish community up there and could you see yourself moving back to Ireland yeah, yeah, I could <laughs> in the not too far distance. <laughs> but you know, I, Australia. There's a lot of things I really love about that. Is yeah, that you know, yeah. especially for my kids, they, they live outdoors. They've got this beautiful lifestyle, and it's a very um, you know, there's a freedom in the way of life and thinking there that's like beautiful for for kids. Yeah. Um. So there are. It's it's hard. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough to live in two different worlds and there's yeah. so many songs that are written about yeah. that, that <laughs> yeah. it's hard to be in two places at one time there's one of Sean Keynes yeah. in the home away from home yeah um, yeah yeah. So and, uh, yeah yeah so I, I, I would see hopefully that yeah that we can build it so we go back and forth right. yeah um. I mean the last three years now I've, I've managed to get home to tour right. um, each year so uh, so yeah just trying to build on that I know one of the things we all struggle with is, and, and you said it in a way when you go home to tour, it, it's staying current with yeah. Ireland because there's always a danger, and there was particularly years ago, where people ended up being locked in the year that they emigrated. I know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's so important. And the great thing about the world now is between uh, streaming radio and uh, relative ease of travel that you can actually stay current yeah 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 I've seen that I, I've seen that quite a bit where sort of nostalgia takes over yeah you know and, and you become sort of a character of of that time that you yeah. that you left um yeah but I, I think being able to go back and forth quite a bit and, and being um I was heavily involved in the repeal movement back yeah. at home in Ireland and just being involved with things that I can be involved at from a distance yeah. helps keep you helps keep you keep you back there. Well on you wish to wrap up and I must say I really appreciate the time. It's been great chatting with you and uh, who knows we may cross paths at some point in, in I'm north of the border from here in Canada. If you're yes, I'd love to. You know, looking forward to coming to Canada. But uh, <laughs> but it's been great chatting with you. And if anyone wants to find you, uh, Facebook, internet, what are the coordinates? Uh Onya Tyrrell dot com and it's on your tyrell um, on all the other things fantastic. you have to enjoy spelling that as a Canadian <laughs> and the interview you've just heard we recorded it in January of 2020 at Folk Alliance International in New Orleans and any references that may have been there to upcoming performances or locations etc later in the year of course have all been postponed or cancelled due to COVID-19. You are listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad and here's some music from Anya Turley.